0: Welcome to the Quantum Alignment Q&A, Humboldt Series, where we traverse through an array of healing modalities to educate, empower, and excite our listeners on their path of holistic health and wellness. In sharing various practitioners' experiences and insight, we hope to cultivate a deeper relationship between one's true self, the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. Join naturopath, transpersonal psychologist, and cannabis therapy consultant, Dr. Pepper Hernandez in the Humboldt Quantum Alignment Series. And now, here is your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez.
1: Welcome, and thank you so much for taking time to be present with us today. Our intention for this podcast is for each and every one of us to get one step closer to the highest version of our aligned self. Each and every day, the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional. I am super excited about today's interview. Anna Alicia Montano is from the Twin Islands Republics of Trinidad and Tobago. She is into spiritual medicine, psychedelic medicine, psychedelic integration, and she is a coach, spiritual coach, and Reiki master. I cannot wait to get to talk to you. Anna. thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Pepper. It's such a pleasure.
1: Let's start off first with how is it going there in Tobago with the COVID? Since we're kind of, this is a quarantine season that we're doing right now, but tell me what it's like in short. Yeah,
0: okay, so um, we just went back into another lockdown about two weeks ago, and as of Saturday Saturday gone. We're now in a state of emergency with a curfew. We have the the Brazilian variant here. So cases have been on the rise very quickly. So don't know where we're heading. Not entirely sure what the government has planned, hoping that we're getting some vaccines soon. So fingers crossed, something can change.
1: So currently in the state where we're at, what is the vaccine situation there i just want to be aware
0: of i mean is it available for every citizen or how's that working yeah so they it's it's like a huge mess uh what's been going on politically initially they got i can't remember how many doses there was a limited amount of doses so they were saving that for people over the age of 60 or people with immuno issues And um, from what I understand, they finished doing the first sets of vaccines. And I believe the second dose will be administered. I don't know if it's going to be from this weekend or the following weekend, but we got the AstraZeneca. There's talk. um, So we're hearing two different things about the government getting um, a vaccine from China or another AstraZeneca from the U.S., I'm a little bit unsure what's going on, um, but really hoping that they get enough to vaccinate the population, because at this point we're getting quite worried and people are pulling up statistics comparing us to India because we're a population of uh, 1.3 million. And for instance, yesterday we had, I think, 601 new cases and 23 deaths. So it's a large amount for a small population such as ours. Absolutely.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. I do send my heart to you and your community, and I'm sure you're being incredibly safe, as safe as you possibly can be. Moving and shifting over into the healing and holistic realm, I'm wanting to know more about what you're doing specifically in your community and in your space. Is this your home area
0: that you're at now currently? Um, So I finished, uh, well, I graduated end of 2019 with my master's in East-West Psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies. So I came home shortly after and then COVID hit. And I launched my practice Journeys with Anna in 2020. I think it was August or September. So I'm relatively new in terms of the business components, but I have a lot of experience in this field as I've been really involved with uh, psychedelics and holistic and spiritual healing for a long time. Um,
1: So can you tell us about the psychedelic medicine and... I find it fascinating that you're an integration coach. What does this mean for our listeners who have
0: never heard of these terms? Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. So I refer to psychedelics or entheogens as a medicine. Um, And I mean, I tend to sort of work more with the plant and fungal based ones. And the terminology medicine is just deriving from a couple of things. For instance, medicine don't, normally doesn't taste good for you, but it does wonders for your body. I uh, can say that about ayahuasca. Um, can say that about mushrooms. You know, ingesting them is not necessarily the most uh, pleasant experience on your palate, but it does wonders for your mind, body, and soul. And with respect to the psychedelic integration, I found when I first started exploring psychedelics, I was... I was still a teenager, but I was always fascinated by them, pretty much as long as I've had um, internet access. And I found in my own ventures, in my own explorations, um, you know, you have this experience, and then when you when you're able to land back, it's this sort of, well, now what? You know, you have this mind opening spirit opening type of experience and then what do you do with it and since then there was always this inclination of needing to do something with it not just sort of locking it away like okay well that was interesting that was scary that was fun and just kind of leaving it in the in the background I always felt an inclination of there's a way in which I could take elements from that experience and utilize it in different ways um in 2016 it was when I first went down to the Amazon to uh, work with ayahuasca it was primarily for my own working with my own grief and things just kind of catapulted from there one thing led to another and I found like instinctively I knew I knew what I needed to do for instance um coming back I spent I spent a month in the jungle coming back I felt this need where I didn't really want to be around people like the normal things that I would do like hanging out with friends or whatever it is I felt like a very very visceral reaction to being like no this is not what I want to do things like going for a walk in nature going to the park to have like my bare feet on the earth things like that I found like I was being naturally drawn to and again like I've been researching these things for years so I'm Familiar with the fact that psychedelics give you like this um, window of like where your brain is most malleable. So I felt that within those first two weeks of coming back is usually the like key time frame for me to really be engaged with what I want to implement and changes that I want to set. So naturally, when I would come back, I would just take time from the usual things that I've done before and spend time making art, journaling, and really sort of creating like a vision of what I want to be doing. Now, this is a two part um, because going down to the Amazon, I was also informed to prepare myself to ingest ayahuasca. And with the ayahuasca protocol, you have to follow a diet of like no salt, no sugar, no animal fats. Um, They'll say no meat either, uh, no drugs, no sex, So there was a way in which you were naturally preparing your body. And I also felt that, okay, well, if I'm going to be preparing my body, then I should be preparing my mind as well. So kind of thinking about, okay, well, I'm going down to drink ayahuasca for X, Y, and Z reasons. Okay. Having this in my mind and really sort of like priming my mind to get familiar with, okay, these, this is what I'm looking to work on. These are things that I want to change. So I'm sort of like readying myself and getting prepared to be like or committed to making these changes. So I see integration as being something that really starts in preparation. And over time, one thing led to another. I ended up doing courses in like uh, spiritual counseling, uh, coaching, um, psychedelic coaching. So just sort of, Pulling from things that I've learned and things that I've been trained with to sort of create my own niche, which is what I'm doing right now as a psycho-spiritual counselor and coach and psychedelic integration coach.
1: So I love the fact that you have a diet, you have intention before you do an ayahuasca or any type of psychedelic medicine journey. I really think that that is super fundamental. As a naturopath and transpersonal psychologist, I've seen a lot of patients who don't have the aftercare or didn't go prepared either. And so I think the fact that you're doing that and you're an integration coach, we need more access to people like yourself as we are opening this journey for so many people to be experiencing, like in Oregon, up in the States here, there's medicinal mushrooms is available as well as other states are looking at legalizing that. People can have access to anything they really want once they go on that spiritual quest to find it. But I think the key piece is finding someone like you who's doing the aftercare so with that being said, is that what most people are coming to you for
0: as far as guidance? It's varied. I have clients that I'm working with for psychedelic integration. And as I mentioned, it ends up being like a two-part, like helping them prepare for their psychedelic experience and then working them when, working with them when they come back. And then also the spiritual, psycho-spiritual counseling, coaching. So for that, that's kind of like a hybrid system and um. I draw a lot from Carl Jung's work. So there's a lot of shadow work involved. Um, I'm doing training in Hakomi right now so I can get more of a somatic experience in to really like engage the body into somebody's wellness journey. It's really a blend of that. Another component has also been microdosing in conjunction with the psycho-spiritual counseling and coaching. So really being there with the person as they're moving through this process and helping them implement changes, getting clear on their values and even so the the nature of the work that I do is I definitely dive into a person's story and their past although that's not where I stay I'm very much in I'm very much present focused and then future oriented as well in terms of where the person wants to go so this fits in really nicely with the psychedelic integration because it's all about where the person is right now and where they're looking where where they want to go.
1: You mentioned micro dosing. How did you get into that? And, and what type of psychedelics are you micro
0: dosing? Yeah. So um, I've microdosed the ayahuasca vine, the Banisteriopsis capi vine. Uh, we have it growing here in Trinidad. So I've gone into the forest. I've made my offering and everything like that and harvested some of the vine to make my own um, drops. And I was doing that primarily just to sort of experiment with with dreams because I'm very intrigued by dreams on DreamWork. I guess my go-to is psilocybin. Um, I've recently, well, a couple months ago, I stopped psilocybin and I'm experimenting with microdosing San Pedro. So this is this is very new. I'm still trying to find my sweet spot in terms of the dose and figure out um, the dosing protocol because there's a lot of um, information out there for microdosing psilocybin and LSD, but when it comes to mescaline, not so much. So I'm, I'm trying to sort of carve my own path to see where holds the most resonance, what I'm noticing. So I'm, I, I like to geek out on this stuff. I take notes on everything. I make a log and, you know, I spend a lot of time like introspecting. I'll do meditations just to really hone in on seeing. okay, well, what's going on in my body at this hour, maybe check in in like two hours. So I really try to keep track of things. So I know I'll get a sense of what I'm
1: doing. I love the fact that you geek out because you and I are so similar in that way among many others, but that one for certain, can you give um, a short synopsis on what you're doing with San Pedro specifically, we have not had that discussion on our podcast yet. And so I'm excited to dig in to a little bit more of the ayahuasca. I have a question about that in a moment, but San Pedro, tell me about that. And can you explain to the listeners what it looks like, what it tastes like, what kind of journey that takes you on and how is it different
0: from the others? Yeah, sure. Um, San Pedro, I think is such a beautiful medicine. I mean, you know, with all these medicines, they can they can be a little bit tricky. They can they can you can get into some difficult terrain. They can be very beautiful and lovely. And I found that San Pedro, even when it's difficult, it's still gentle. Um, For instance, like when things get difficult with ayahuasca, it's intense. Um, Whereas with San Pedro, it's it's toned down a bit more. I can't speak for everyone, but in my personal experience, San Pedro never really been something too visual. Um, every now and again, maybe some closed eye visuals, but nothing too intense. But there's definitely a lot more of emotions coming up, visceral feelings. And I've found like a consistent thing with San Pedro is that it's such a massive heart opener and a really wonderful tool for connecting So if you were to do a San Pedro ceremony, you might find yourself feeling very much connected to the people that you're sitting with, and particularly nature. Um, I find that something so beautiful about that medicine in particular, how much it really connects you to nature because I think that's something that um, we've lost in modern society. So it's great to have these tools that can reconnect you with nature because we essentially are nature and that's reconnecting us back to ourselves. And San
1: Pedro is a cactus plant that is then cut and processed in a way to make a tea. Is that correct? Or, or can you explain a little bit more of the ceremony portion?
0: Yeah. So they will I haven't had much experience in terms of preparing San Pedro in that in that aspect, but I know they'll they'll cut out the outer layer. And I believe the the inner layer, like if you could think of a um, cucumber. Like that, like sort of inner layer of the cucumber, and then they'll they'll cook the or boil the the, the meat, so to speak. Um, in terms of the taste, it is very very bitter, <laughs> so it's it's not necessarily enjoyable to drink. But like I said, you know, medicines don't normally taste the best, but they they are they do a lot of good for you at the end of the day. Um, as for the san Pedro that I use, I got it in a lab when I was in Peru, and it's a powdered version. Um, so I would quickly whisk that up in some water and drink it as in the morning as my dose. But like I said, I'm still trying to figure out the, the sweet spot for me, what, you know, what that looks like.
1: And so you can micro dose the San Pedro in the way that you're talking about a powdered version. You're still fine tuning that dose. I would imagine it's different for every single person, but can you tell me the dose that you maybe have started with and and where you're at now? Because I have no idea what dosage that even looks like. I just want to kind of have a visual in my head of what it would be.
0: Yeah, of course. My pleasure. So I've started with just basically measuring out a teaspoon and I'm taking it from there. Um, Mind you, this is very new explorations I'm doing at this moment in time. So I just started last week. And I'm also trying to figure out how often I should be microdosing. Um, I figured what I was going to do was follow the James Fadiman protocol and and do it every third day. So take two days off and try that. Um, So I'm pretty much in a trial and error phase of figuring out how often I should be taking it and what my dose is. I feel like those two are the main, main um, factors that I'm, I'm trying to figure out. And I mean, like, it's difficult to ask people because these things affect everybody so differently. What might be a high microdose for me could be considered a normal microdose or like perfect sweet spot microdose for somebody else. So it's very much this not necessarily trial and error, but like this this sort of like wiggle room to to play around with. It's always good to start slowly, even if you're microdosing,
1: slow and steady wins the race, right? right? So have you done microdosing with ayahuasca as well? And if so, how are you using that?
0: So I have in the, in the past, um, what I did was I just used the vine. So the Banisteriopsis caapi vine. Um, so it didn't have the DMT containing leaves or, or any DMT components in it. It was just the straight vine. And it was literally just, if you could think of one of those um, droppers, I would take a whole one at night and before bed, probably about 15 minutes before bed and go to sleep. I was primarily just curious to see if it would do anything with my dream time um, i'm very interested in in dream work and part of the work that i do with my clients um, especially in psychedelic integration is i take techniques of dream work and bring that into the psychedelic integration to help people make make sense out of some of their visions um, so I do love dreams. So I was just sort of experimenting with it to see if it would affect my dreams in any way. Like, would, would it make me more lucid? Would I have more vivid dreams? Um, but I can't say that I really noticed anything either in that, in that context. But you see, then there's another thing, like how, you know, all these subtle nuances of how long do I boil divine for? Do I boil it for this amount of time? Do I boil it for a shorter amount of time? So, again, there's so many different things to play around with. Um, I think when I've uh, had my time with San Pedro, I might tack back to the to the vine and experiments a little bit more Um, because I don't know. I just I just really enjoy experimenting and observing and seeing what what comes up. I
1: love this and I'm really enjoying our conversation. It happens to be that time in our podcast where we're going to take a short break to give a shout out to a local aligned business. We'll be right back.
2: Ever dream of becoming a cannabis therapy consultant or learning more on how cannabis heals for a deeper understanding of your own body and mind connection using sacred medicine? Take time to dive into classes anytime, anywhere with a new online program. For more information, connect on drpepperhernandez.com. This is a 10 month program, one class a month. The Cannabis Holistic Institute provides the most potent teachers Humboldt County has to offer. Students have access to Google Classrooms for downloadable handouts, charts, PowerPoint presentations, and more. Also a live streaming on Facebook, bonus pop-up classes, gifted info, and edited videos available on YouTube. Classes from History of Cannabis, The Biology of Cannabis, Specific Strains and Effects, Cannabis Healing Properties, Juicing, Edibles, and Tinctures, Cultivation and Production, Cannabis, Medicine Making, Women in Cannabis Conference, Legalities and Legislations, the Cannabis Business, and more.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Let me remind you of our wonderful guest, Anna. She is here to share some amazing knowledge that we will probably not get anywhere else. She has been microdosing and using ayahuasca, San Pedro, and psilocybin. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this can you tell the listeners the difference between the three and not just the plant themselves, but like the journey and why you would use each one of them in a different setting?
0: Out of ayahuasca, San Pedro and psilocybin, I've had the least amount of experience with San Pedro. It's just a medicine I found I've naturally gra- gravitates towards due to its um, heart opening and connecting type energy. So I found that it could really connect you to yourself, to nature, to people around you, to loved ones, Ne and Phu, even those who have transitioned. So there's something interesting about that medicine being able to transcend time and space. Um, with respects to ayahuasca, now ayahuasca is a very interesting medicine and I might be talking from a bias because I find it's it's the it's the plant that I am closest to and have the strongest bond with but ayahuasca has antiviral antifungal and antiparasitic properties so it's one thing when you're ingesting the medicine what it's actually doing in in your body and then with respect to the brain um you know ayahuasca and trauma is very interesting, like what it's doing to the brain structures, particularly the limbic system. So this consists of your amygdala, your thalamus, your hippocampus. And this this network deals with emotions and memories. So you can imagine what's going on in this network for a person who's um, sustained a trauma of some sorts. It becomes so deeply embedded, embedded in this network. Ayahuasca actually hyperactivates this brain region. And one thing I gotta say is I'm not a neuroscientist, but I geek out heavily on this stuff and I'm really intrigued by the brain. Um, so going back to what I was saying, ayahuasca goes into this area area and hyperactivates this region. This hyperactivation allows for the brain to temporary, temporarily override previous entrenched patterns, which allows for new connections to be made. So if you can think about it, if you have like a a ball and it's so tightly wound like this ayahuasca is kind of going in and sort of releasing all those threads and allowing it to sort of un- undo for lack of better words when it's been undone like that you have this window to be able to create new pathways in your brain um like new neural connections and networks and this is what people talk about with respect to neural plasticity so i find there's something really intriguing about ayahuasca and what it's doing on that level um, for me personally, it's been such a profound teacher, um, for myself in the sense of how I connect to and relate with my emotions, um, remembering, and again, being connected to like our, you know, our divine essence, um, what we essentially are, which really just boils down to love and it's, it's almost like it imparts this gift of, of, of revealing what you are. And there's something so, I don't know, it's, it's, it's beyond anything I could put into human language. It's just, it's something that's so valuable to, to receive and and be able to remember. And I say remember, because when you have that experience, it's, it, it just, it just, it just clicks, you know, it's, it's undeniable. So there's that with the ayahuasca and regarding psilocybin, um, psilocybin seems to be used a lot for depression and it works a lot in the default mode network. Um, this area of the brain is crucial for normal everyday consciousness. It's, um, it's responsible for our awareness of ourselves. So you can think of like our ego, think about the past or future executive functions. And with depression, this area of the brain becomes overactive um, through fMRI studies, psilocybin has been found to reduce activity in this area. And this is correlated with the feelings of ego dissolution that people experience. So it's basically as though the psilocybin comes in and reboots this network of the brain. So, I mean, if you're thinking about working with these medicines, even if it was that, um, well, before I say that, I think one thing is really trusting where you're being called to, because I feel that these medicines have a habit of calling you. And in my personal experience, like I've always been intrigued, or I should say, I've always been obsessed with psychedelics. And I've always, in the past at least, I've tried hunting out for them and like by actively seeking them, never found them. But then there'd be a time in my life where they would just present themselves to me. And when that happened, I found that it was almost like a little sign that this is something I'm meant to work with at this point in time. And it's almost like this, this deeper intelligence of how these medicines are finding you, because it's like, okay, you have one medicine working on this aspect of you. And then you work on the integration process and and working with all these things and making these changes and everything like that. And then another time, another medicine is is making its way to you and presenting itself to you. And then you start working with that and going through the integration process and everything like that. And then out comes another and the thing is, I feel that, I genuinely feel that these medicines work together with each other. And if you want to look at like mushrooms, you know, mushrooms um, are the fruiting bodies of mycelium and mycelium is this massive underground network in the earth. So it's almost like it's connecting all these plants, right? So I feel like it's its own like sort of uh, internet um, network, so to speak. And, you know, I don't think it's by accident that they sort of bounce off of each other and work with each other there's been times where I've come back from the Amazon and I get called to work with mushrooms so I do my own journey with mushrooms and I can sense ayahuasca coming into the space and then actively working with the mushroom spirit and with me and it sounds you know it's it's difficult to explain but it's so fascinating almost the the allyship of these medicines and, and, and the way that they're relating to you and the way that they're working with you. And I think that, that, I think that these medicines want to do that. I think they, they want to connect with us and they want to heal us and and show us these things. And, you know, um, I think humanity throughout time, you know, not dependent on the place, we've naturally gravitated towards things that, our states of consciousness, whether it be through psychoactive plants and and fungi or deprivation techniques or or breathing techniques. It's just been a natural inclination of human beings. So I see for me personally, I feel like my, my natural go-to is with the plants and fungi around. I find
1: you absolutely fascinating. (laughs) Dive into every piece of knowledge around this or these topics. And and I really appreciate you for sharing time with us today. I do have a question on something that you have said. You said something about doing a journey and then another, maybe you have chosen one particular ally to work with, plant ally to work with, and another one comes into the picture. Tell me about that. Are you then now microdosing two different plants a week, or how is that working?
0: Or is it just was this a one time event? When I I don't normally like to mix medicines. So in the in the case of microdosing, if I'm microdosing uh, psilocybin, I'm microdosing that alone, um, and it could be during that that I'll get like a a message or a download or or almost like a little tapping on my shoulder that. Another medicine wants to work with me. so that, But it's very much an active part of really sort of sensing things out. Like I really like to feel things out. I don't want it to come from my mind. I want it to come from my body of where do I need to go? And if it is that, say, microdosing San Pedro is coming up for me, then I trust that there's a reason why it's calling me to work with it. Um, but what I'll do is I'll take a break. So I tend to at least take about, it could be anywhere from three to six months off of microdosing on like anything in general, before I move on to working with another plant medicine, just because I want to be able to sort of let my system sort of come back to its baseline. Um, I'm working with microdosing for a reason. So I want to be able to implement whatever's coming up, you know, not necessarily being dependent on these substances, not that you get dependent, but I don't want to, you know, um, I want to be respectful at the end of the day. So I'll work with one at a time. In terms of journeying, same thing. Um, I'm big on integration and letting the dust settle. Like I don't like to jump around um, doing psychedelic journey, psychedelic journey, psychedelic journey, because there's so many things that come up. It takes, it takes time to integrate. Like um, as of this year, something that's come up for me is I've, be- I've begun integrating something from a ceremony of about three years ago. Um, And it's only just recently popped up. So it's almost like there's, it's, you know, some things get planted in your psyche while you're having these experiences, but it's, it hasn't, it, you know, if you want to picture like a seed in soil, it hasn't like come up to the surface. And it feels like something's now come up to the surface. So I'm focused on integrating that. With that said, um, I do like to take time off in between my uh, deeper dives so that I can allow that space to be able to integrate and make sense of things and put in the changes that I want I want to make. All of these
1: experiences that you have gone through personally really is helping you facilitate healing and growth for your clients. I always think you know if you go through it yourself, there is a reason you are to help other humans or other spirit beings through the process as well and you realizing potential and aligning your values and expanding your consciousness helps others with that being said what is the perfect client for you to help with the integration coaching side of it
0: so i would say the perfect client for me is somebody who's willing to do the work um you know, psychedelics aren't, it's not a magic wand. It's not going to fix things for you. And, you know, in the West, we're very used to uh, pharmaceuticals where you take this pill and you rock back and it does whatever it needs to do. With psychedelic medicines, you need to meet medicine halfway. You know, it will show you things, it will reveal things to you. You will get insights, you know, all of that but then you are the one that needs to do something about it. So for me when it comes to an ideal client, it's just knowing that this client is ready and willing to do the work. So
1: well said. I appreciate you and um, knowing exactly what you want to attract as far as a client is concerned and holding space for those people who do want to take those journeys into plant medicines and helping them understand the importance of the before and and the after and the whole entire experience, it's a big experience. And like you said, sometimes it's three years later when you integrate a piece and to take it slowly and to take it easily. I think there was. Um, I'll just share this with you. I think there was a point in my life in my twenties or. Yeah, it was probably my 20s where I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't need to do anything else. I need to integrate. Like, I am on a perma high is what I thought I was on. And I'm still like, fascinatingly, like super high. But now it's from energy and kundalini yoga and like doing all this work. But I was just like, okay, I'm done. But I understood the importance of integration. So thank you for that. Before we go, I would like to know a little bit about your personal habits and your daily rituals, things like that. When you're not doing your journeys and working with people and doing the deep work within yourself, I mean, what are you doing on a regular day to keep yourself so vertically aligned
0: and helping you reach your goals? Oh, this is juicy. So, um, I mean, personal inner work is such a big thing for me. Um, I'm a Scorpio, so I love to dive in. Um, That's, that's like, oh, that's, that's that good, good. Um, So, I mean, I do, I do like to engage in a lot of shadow work and stuff like that. And I can, I can be very intense with myself when I'm ready. Um, So I'm learning how to slow down. I found that's been something so important. And, you know, we're in a society that prides itself off of productivity and being busy, but, you know, I'm, what I've, seen in recent years is being productive is also taking time to rest uh taking time to go slow being gentle with yourself um so that's big for me I mean I'll do embodiment practices where I really enjoy um playing music and dancing but I mean it's not like dancing to the music, but sort of like dropping from my head getting into my body and allowing my body to express itself. Cause you know, we, we store things in our bodies. So I like to at least allow my body this, this space to express what it needs to. And there's been times where emotions will come up, but I'm giving myself that space. Um, something I do like to do is usually at nights, I have this little ritual where I light my candles I get a little uh, bottle of water. I, I make a nest. So I have like my blankets on the floor. I have some pillows. I have my journal in case anything comes up. And sometimes there's music. Other times there's not. But it's literally just me being with myself in whatever way, shape or form it wants at that point in time. Uh, sometimes it could be movement. It could be stretches. Sometimes it's just very quiet in the sense of maybe me just lying down, having my hands on certain parts of my body. But really just, giving myself space. That's been a huge practice of mine right now, space. And I love tea. I love the little tea rituals. So I'm always drinking tea. I find it such a nice way to bring a sense of calm and comfort. Um, I'm really big on scents. I love incense and I love, uh, um, I like working with sage as well. So really like cleaning out my space, my energetic field. So I'm really big on those little um, practices and rituals. And then of course there's nature. Nature's my church, basically.
1: (laughs) I love all of those things. And I hope that our listeners get a few ideas from them. If we, you and I, were building the most perfect aligned human, what could we suggest to them to be doing for their nourishing self-care? I mean, you just gave a lot that you do for yourself. Um, What are some that we could share with others?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I feel it's, I feel like it will look different for everyone. Um, but I feel what's important is sort of like laying down the foundation. Um, so this will be eating whole foods, uh, really nourishing your body, drink, simple things like drinking water, you know, we, that goes, that can like just go over somebody's head so quickly. So Nourishing your mind, your body, and your soul. Um, Your body can be, like I said, whole whole foods and nutrition, movements. And this can be, for some people, it's lifting weights. For other people, it's taking a walk. For other people, it's yoga. And then spirits and your soul. Again, that's something so subjective to the person, but I really think some Some kind of meditation practice or maybe an embodiment practice. But again, I really can't stress how this would be different for each individual. Um, But I definitely think something across the board would be to connect with nature. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, you know, um, we are nature. And I think it's very, very important to give yourself the time and space to go into nature, connect with nature because it's so therapeutic in its own way. And I think, you know, being able to connect with nature, you're connecting with yourself. And I feel like that's a really good component of becoming quantumly aligned.
1: What a wonderful message to leave our show with today. It really resonates for me. I adore you. I can't wait to continue to connect. I'm so grateful that you were here Thank you so much. Oh, before we completely shut out, can you give the audience a little place where they can find you? We want to make sure that they find you.
0: Sure. So just to clarify, my name is Anna and it's spelled with one N, not two. So my website is www.journeyswithanna.com. And my Instagram is also journeyswithanna with a double A at the end. So pretty simple journeys with Anna. You can find me website, Instagram, and I'm always happy to connect. I'm always happy to help. I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. We'll be in touch very soon. Thank
1: you for making time to be on the show today and helping us encourage others to get one step closer to their highest self, the highest aligned self, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Love it.
0: Thank you so much, Papa. It's been such a pleasure and I really enjoyed this.
1: To our audience, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Thank you for listening, and let's make this your very best life ever. That was
2: so fun.